Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm happy to have Courtney Harris as my guest today. Courtney is a pediatric occupational therapist specializing in sensory integration with almost 12 years of experience. Originally from San Diego, California, she went to undergraduate school at California Lutheran University, where she received her bachelor's in psychology with an emphasis in child development. She graduated with her master's degree in occupational therapy from USC in 2009. Based in Los Angeles, Courtney had the opportunity to take over Kinder Clinic, a sensory integration-based occupational therapy clinic founded in 2003. She specializes in working with children who are struggling functionally, but the reason may be unclear. Concerns she often addresses include self-regulation, attention, organization of behavior, impulse control, sensory motor delays, and social skills. She generally works with children ages 4 to 12 years old. Welcome, Courtney, and thanks so much for joining me today to discuss the important service that you provide. Hi, Gilda. Thank you so much for having me. So to begin with, what are some red flags of sensory processing disorder, which is often referred to as SPD? Well, there are many, and a lot of times people are um, overwhelmed by their children's behaviors And one of the main things we need to remember is that we need to see beyond the behaviors. And that's kind of been a a big, big word going around beyond the behavior, because we really need to understand our kids. And so to do so, we can learn about these different red flags of sensory processing disorder that some kids might have. For example, um, in sensory integration therapy, we look at the auditory system, the visual system, the tactile, but then also movement, which includes vestibular and proprioception. Um, And among those with auditory, you're going to see kids who are sensitive to really loud noises, but also may be sensitive to noises that aren't necessarily as aversive as you would think. For example, the ticking of a clock or they alert to someone walking past the the door or things like that, and they get distracted by that. Um, And we all get distracted, but this is a red flag if it's consistent and they really can't turn their focus back to, say, the teacher's uh, instructions or uh, whatever they're supposed to be listening to. Um, Another one would be visual. And red flags, of course, we can all get visually distracted or space out or whatever once in a while. But when visual processing becomes a concern, you see kids really sensitive to bright lights. They're constantly preferring to be in the dark, covering their eyes, complaining of the sun being too bright, um, looking away frequently when they're in class or, you know, at the dinner table and they're constantly looking around whatever is being, whatever's walking by, whatever's moving behind them, they can't filter and focus on what they're supposed to be listening to, or I mean, looking at. And then one of the other ones is decreased eye contact. And this is a interesting topic because everybody, a lot of people think that decreased eye contact signifies possible autism or, or these big, scary things. 
but it could just be that they're feeling visually flooded and they don't to look at someone's eyes is very, a very strong emotional connection. It's a lot of visual input. And so they might be avoiding just because they emotionally and or visually can't handle it. So they're looking away more frequently. Um, the next uh, sensory system that we often look at is vestibular processing. And you can either be hyper-responsive where you become distressed with movement or you're scared when your feet leave the ground or you're avoiding playground equipment and swings um, or you prefer sedentary play um, or you'd be hypo-responsive where you are seeking a lot of input. These are the kids that seem like whirlwinds running around constantly jumping, high arousal, being very silly and loud and, and their play but their play will be disorganized. It's not this purposeful, let me run back and forth and play this fun game of tag or something. It's going to be just very disorganized uh, play with decreased impulse control. Um, the other big one is proprioception. And this is where you're going to see kids bumping into objects. They're very clumsy. They might fall on purpose to get that heavy impact in their joints and their body to kind of feel where they are in space. Um, another one, like I said, is decreased coordination or fluidity of movement. These kids are going to be, maybe they're strong, but they look dis, uh, uncoordinated. So you ask them to do jumping jacks and their arms and legs aren't coordinated or they, they can't follow a sequence because they're just uh, not able to move fluidly. Um, and these other kids also are going to seek deep pressure. They're going to, the ones that are wanting to have really, really tight hugs. Maybe they're squeezing their younger brother or sister or dog or something too tight or it becomes a concern, um, things like that. And then one of the other ones will be, is tactile. These are the kids that, um, they don't like messy play. Now, some everybody, certain kids like to be clean, but there's a certain point where liking to be clean becomes a concern. Are they not engaging in these preschool activities and art projects? They're, they don't like finger painting. They don't like um, playing in the dirt. They're, you know, they don't like, another thing would be they don't like certain clothing tags on their clothes or the how their socks feel or how certain shoes feel. Um, I know many little girls who have tactile uh, defensiveness, they will only wear skirts because they don't like the feeling of pants. Um, a lot of kids will only wear short sleeve or only long sleeve, things like that. So we all have sensory systems. We all have sensory systems, but it, these can come, become a concern when they start affecting you functionally. So speaking of that, how would these concerns affect a child functionally in their daily lives? You're going to see it in a lot of different ways. These are the kids that don't fit into the box. So there's a lot of behaviors that we need to look beyond, like I said before. Um, some of the main ones you're going to see decreased self-regulation. So frequent prolonged tantrums. Uh, big reactions to small problems, 
more so than the typical three-year-old that doesn't want to leave the park because they're having too much fun. It's, I only want to wear my red shoes. And if I don't wear my red shoes, I'm going to cry for an hour, even though they're dirty and I'd have to wear my pink sandals or something like that. Like big, big, over the top, disrupting daily routine kind of big reactions. Um, you'll also see poor frustration tolerance to small things. Not, not I'm trying really hard at this for a really long time and I just can't do it frustration, but, oh, I tried to throw the ball once. It didn't go into the basket. And now I'm going to have a big tantrum again because it's just too much. I can't handle it. Besides those social emotional concerns, you're also going to see delays in gross motor and fine motor skills. So possibly they're not balancing or hopping on one foot. Um, they're struggling with ball skills. Uh, these are the kids that are struggling with handwriting when they enter kindergarten, first grade. Um, their grasp may be off, not, not a functional tripod grasp where you're holding it with your pointer index. I mean, your pointer, middle finger, and thumb. And then on top of all this, so if your self-regulation is off, your gross motor and your fine motor skills are off, you're going to really be affected. Your social skills are going to really be affected. Um, you're going to miss social cues. If, if you're seeking a lot of movement and you're whirling around, you might not be checking in with people's feelings or their facial expressions or how they're reacting to your behaviors. And so you miss all these social cues and then suddenly you don't have that friend that you thought was there to play with you is suddenly not there anymore because you went off on a tangent about whatever spinning or, or running off, or you just weren't focused on the game. And now your friend's not there anymore. Along with all of that, you're going to see just disorganized play. Like I mentioned before, uh, you're inefficient with doing things. You might jump from one activity to the next, and that, again, is going to affect the social skills, the play skills. You're not going to follow the, the group plan, the flow of play, because you're bouncing around too much um, from one topic to the next. So it goes on and on, but those are some major ones. So what are some things that parents can do to help support their children that have sensory processing concerns? One of the main things is to try to really understand the behavior, not thinking that they're being quote unquote bad on purpose. They're not having this tantrum just to make you mad. You know, they're not taking forever to put their shoes on just to not leave the house because kids, they want to go to school. They want to play. They want to learn. They're not just being lazy, things like that. So really understanding why these behaviors are happening is the first step. And then once you start to educate yourself more, there's tons of really great books on sensory processing disorder for parents. So once you really start to understand, okay, so maybe my kid is the one who has a lot of energy and struggling with self-regulation. So what can I do? So you can give them heavy work is a really good one for calming the nervous system. Heavy work activates the proprioceptive system. And that's going to look like pushing and pulling heavy things. Maybe you fill a laundry basket with something heavy and push it around the house or help carry the groceries in because those are heavy. Um, you can do, you can work in just a few little exercises in the morning before we go to school. You know, we do wall push-ups, some jumping jacks, 
maybe a little bit of yoga, some down dog or uh, other weight bearing activities, just things, heavy work. So they're using their muscles and that's really going to calm and organize the nervous system. The, be- the first step that parents can take is just some simple little activities. And uh, are these effective? Sure. And then do we need to delve deeper possibly? And then you might need to reach out to an occupational therapist, of course. Um, who's well, then how, to- does, how does occupational therapy help to specifically address these concerns that you've been discussing? Definitely. So sensory integration OT really delves deep into each sensory system and actually starts to remap the brain and the uh, sensory connections so that they actually are processing movement and tactile input and visual input more efficiently. So they actually do start to have more functional reactions or more prolonged attention to play or more relaxed reactions to small problems. You know, their social emotional skills start to be more regulated, things like that. So really just doing a wide variety of activities to help organize the the sensory systems and start giving the kids the input they need or helping them process and feel more comfortable with the sensory input that might just be a little bit too scary, like swinging or, you know, jumping down from a, a small height or, or things like that, or jumping on the trampoline. Now, a lot of these issues that we've been talking about that you've mentioned, um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that um, several of the of them can actually exist simultaneously. Uh, a, a child can present with, you know, two, three, four, even more of these particular issues. So uh, does a child um, have to have another diagnosis like autism or ADHD to be considered to have SPD? Or is that um, often just a, a diagnosis in and of itself? Well, unfortunately, sensory processing disorder is not yet in the DSM, the um, big book that has all the diagnoses, including ADHD and, and autism and all those things. But I believe, and in my long experience, you can have sensory processing disorder separate from any other diagnosis. You know, those are the kids that I really focus on because they're misunderstood. They don't need a diagnosis of ADHD. They're not on the spectrum, but they're still struggling. Maybe they are the little preschooler that nobody understands. Like, well, he doesn't have autism, but he's still running around and doing these repetitive behaviors and seeking a lot of sensory input. What do we do? Um, so things like that. So you, I think that it can exist separately from any other diagnosis. Yes, definitely. Now in your experience, have you found that this continues throughout a child's life or have you seen cases where these particular challenges and issues actually mitigate with treatment? Oh, they definitely mitigate with treatment. They definitely improve. But we have to remember, we all are sensory beings. We all have sensory needs, but we're functional. And that's the key is these kids that are 
seeking all this input, maybe they're going to be a track star. You know, maybe they're going to be a wrestling star or a football player or, or something like that. They're going to be drawn to things with a lot, activities with a lot of movement. Or for example, as an adult, if we're functional adults where we're, you know, we're going to work and we're raising our kids, we still do things to help regulate ourselves. We have our cup of coffee in the morning. We go for a run in the morning. We do yoga at night. We meditate. We take hot baths. You know, we do all of these things to help calm and organize our sensory systems, but they're very useful, functional, adaptive activities that just fit into our day. And and that's what OT is going to help kids with sensory processing disorder to do is find strategies that help us help them feel good, help them feel calm, regulated, happy, ready to learn, ready to socialize, um, and just be a, a functional part of their family, their community, you know, and school. Well, you've made a lot of excellent points, Courtney, and uh, I'm sure that uh, our listeners will probably have more questions. At this stage, I'd like to um, ask you if there's anything that we haven't covered, perhaps an important takeaway that you wanna mention for the people who are listening. And also, if our audience wants to reach you, if our listeners wanna reach you, they have questions, they wanna know more, how can they do that? Definitely, well, the main takeaway that I wanna give is that do remember that all behaviors come from somewhere. There's a reason behind them. And that if it does appear that it's sensory, these things can be mitigated. They can be helped through strategies. And it may be lifelong strategies, but it does improve. Kids become more calm and regulated and focused and happy um, and able to play more productively and, and um, purposefully with their friends and peers and family. And yeah, and, and if your child does need occupational therapy, you can definitely reach out to an OT. Um, if you're interested, my website is kinderclinicinc.com. So that's K-I-N-D-E-R-C-L-I-N-I-C inc.com. Well, thank you so much, Courtney, for your time and for giving us some very helpful information today. Thank you so much, Gilda. It was my pleasure. I also want to thank our listeners for spending a part of their day with us. I'm Gilda Evans reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life. <laughs>